going to be uh, shifting gears just a little bit and moving to the, to the very next institution that, that God established, and that is human government. And so we, we, I know you may be one of those political junkies, man, you just can't get enough of it. I mean, you're 24-7, you're all talk all day. I mean, you're just, you're just or maybe you're the kind of like, Pastor, can't I just come to church for an hour and get away from that? I mean... But wherever you are on that, the, the reality is the Bible has something to say about government and, yes, even politics. Yeah, oh, Lord, is right. And we're going to spend the next few weeks just seeing what God has to say about, uh, about that. And so we, we, we see that, uh, you know, the, the second institution that God established was the government and then, and then we won't spend probably... Uh, as much time as we did on the family, but, but then we'll, the, the next thing that, that God established was the church. And so we'll be looking at what the Bible has to say uh, about that. And so today, if we had a title for today's message, it would be uh, My Responsibility to Government Versus My Responsibility to God. You see, we have a responsibility to both. And, and Paul outlines that, and we're going to see that in Romans chapter 13. And so... Uh, we we gonna uh, one of the things we do is uh, uh, when our pastoral team comes together. One of the, one of my favorite parts of the things that we do when we're preparing for Sunday messages, we we like to do word studies. I, I I've always been fascinated by words and origins of words and how, you know how we get them in the English language and all that. And, and so as we were looking at politics, we discovered that that it's actually a compound word. Poly means many, and ticks mean blood sucking parasites. <laughs> yeah. Boy, I tell you, it's, it'd really be funny if it wasn't so real, right? Uh, but that's typically the way we think of our government. In fact, Ronald Reagan, I, I love what Ronald Reagan had to say. He said, he said, politics is supposed to be the second oldest profession. I've come to realize that it bears very close resemblance to the first. Boy, I tell you, it's, it's real. Uh, it, it is. And you know, the thing is, we have a very diverse church. And that's one of the, man, that is one of the things I love about our church is that, that we're a very diverse church. And, and, and so, as such, we have, man, we have a wide range. I mean, just about anywhere that you can find yourself on the political spectrum, you'll find somebody in our church who, who's there. I mean, and, and you know what the good news is? There's room for that in the family of God. There's grace for that in the, in the family of God. I'm glad that we don't have to all look alike, walk alike, talk alike, you know, uh, smell alike uh, to be part of the same family. It, you know, and, and it's our vision to reach across. Look, we're, we're a great commission, great commandment church. And, and, and I love that. I mean, we're a great commission. We take that seriously when Jesus said, I want you to go into all the world. And I want you to go to every ethnic group. And I want you to make disciples. In other words, go into every neighborhood, no matter what the ethnicity, no matter what the culture, no matter what the socioeconomic is, no matter uh, what the, uh, you know, what the age is, no matter what the, you, you know, we take that seriously and the only way that we can accomplish that is by obeying the, the great commandment and that is to, to love one another. To love our neighbor as ourselves. 
And so we find that, no, we may not always agree on everything, but, but there's grace. There's grace for that. And, and, and so it's one of the, one of the things I, I love about our church. And, 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 and as a young pastor, many, many young pastors have gotten this advice, okay? Two things you don't ever talk about when you go visit somebody, and that's religion and politics, because that, those are the two things that will divide you the most. But here's what I'm going to tell you. The Bible speaks a lot about both. And instead of letting it divide us, we choose to, this, we choose to submit to the one who can unite us. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why it works. That's why when you look around this church and you see every ethnic group and uh, every uh, culture group and you see, uh, man, one of the things that we just believe that our church ought to look like our community. And, and so it would be easy to divide us. And, 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 and so we choose to let the one uh, unite us rather than divide us. And so what does the Bible say? about government what does the bible say about my responsibility to, to government and to god and, and and more often than not when we think about the government we 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 don't think good thoughts in fact last night around the dinner table there were several of us around around we were eating dinner last night and and a couple of things came up relating to something to do with the government and, and here here's what was well that's just the government for you you, you ever said that you ever thought that? <laughs> Absolutely. And that's typically, that's typically what we think. But, but here's what I'm going to tell you, folks. Listen, government is not bad. It, it's God's idea. Government is not bad any more than marriage is bad. Look, marriage is not bad. God's design, God's desire for marriage from the very beginning is that it be good. And you say, Pastor, you don't know my marriage. It's straight out of the pits of hell. Let me tell you something. The government itself is not bad. Government is not corrupt. People are corrupt. And that's what corrupts marriages. That's what corrupts relationships. That's what corrupts governments. And so what does the Bible have to say about it? And so if you're in uh, Romans chapter 13, I want to set the, the context before I read this passage now. Here's the Apostle Paul through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And he's writing to this baby church located in Rome. And the government in Rome at this time was headed by a guy named Nero. Now, let me tell you a little bit about Nero. You think we live in an anti-Christian country now or an anti-Christian sentiment culture now? Let me tell you about Nero. Nero was so anti-Christian that if you profess to be a Christian, he would take you, arrest you, lock you up, hold you in a dungeon until he got ready to have a party, and then he would take those Christians, dip them in a tar-like substance, take them and impale them on a stake along the street corner and light them on fire to illuminate the city at night. All right? That's the context that we're going to read this in. Okay? So we're going to pick it up in verse 1. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. What? Mm. For there is no authority except by God's appointment. And the authorities that exist have been instituted by God. So the person who resists such authority resists the ordinance of God. And those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers cause no fear good conduct, but for bad. Do you desire not to fear authority? Then do good and you will receive its commendation. For it is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be in fear. 
You'll get a ticket. For it does not bear the sword in vain. It is God's servant to administer retribution on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to be in subjection not only because of the wrath of the authorities, but also because of your conscience. For this reason, oh boy, you also pay taxes. Yeah. For the, for the authorities are God's servants devoted to governing. Pay everyone what is owed, taxes to whom taxes are due, revenue to whom revenue is due, respect to whom respect is due, honor to whom honor is due. Wow. Now, this passage of Scripture is really uh, set up in a very simple way. It, it starts with a command, and then it gives follows by several reasons why we ought to obey that command. So let's look first at at the command. So, so what does the Bible say? Okay, Here's what the Bible says. Here's the command. Submit to governing authorities. That, that's what the Bible says. Now, that's not hard to understand. It's hard to do. It's, it's, it's hard to be joyful in doing that. But it's not hard to understand. It's hard to, to, to do, especially when you don't agree. Right? Okay, so it goes on then, and he gives the reasons. Why, why are we to do this? First of all, he says... God has established the government. That, that's what he says in the second part of, of verse 1. This is pretty amazing to me. Because you think about that, that every civil authority, every governing regime has been established by God. Now listen to me. God did not create the world and, and, and people and human government and then divorce himself from the process. Listen. Here's what we got to understand. God is totally in control. God is totally in control. Even over governments that are led by evil people, God is ultimately in control. Government is ultimately under His supervision. In fact, Solomon said it like this in Proverbs. He said, The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. As the rivers of water, He turneth it whithersoever He will. Wow. Wow. Now that doesn't mean that some world leaders won't, uh, you know, still have an evil heart or, or, or rule in a destructive way. But it does mean this, that those people are not outside of God's control. Listen, our ability, our ability to submit to ruling authority says a lot about our confidence in our God. It says a lot about our ability to be able to trust Him for everything and in everything, which leads to the, to the next reason why. Okay, he says, rebellion against the government is rebellion against God. He says that in verse 2. Whew. Wow. You see, God has established and ordained the government. And if you rebel against the government, he says here, you're, you're rebelling against God. Now, folks, this is pretty hardcore, isn't it? This is, this is hard to, to receive. Listen, there have been many government uprisings and, and many revolutions throughout human history. In fact, this country was founded on one. We'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that later. But what God is saying through the Apostle Paul here, we have a responsibility. As Christians, 
as people who bear the name of Christ. We have a responsibility to serve the government, to, to respect the government, just like we respect God. And if we view our government uh, as a divinely ordained institution, if we, if we view our government as a, as a gift from God, then we ought to show the proper respect. Now, I don't want to see a, I don't want to see a show of hands, but how many of you have ever looked at the government as a gift from God? I mean, we just don't, that's just not how, where we roll, is it? We just don't, we just don't think like that. We, we don't think like that. But just like, listen, just like we are commanded to give, to, to, to give respect to each other, just like we are uh, uh, commanded to honor our parents, to honor our father, to honor our mother, to honor the leaders, the elders in the church, to honor our neighbor. Listen, we are called to give honor to whom honor is due. And I understand that there are people in positions of authority who are not honorable. But what God is saying to you and me today is we are to honor the position even if the person in the position is not honorable. That's what we're supposed to do. That's what God commands us to do. It's what, he, it's what He tells us to do. Because He says here in verse 3 that government serves to restrain evil. Even bad government is better than no government. Because we can't function as a society without some form of, of human government. And the purpose of any government anywhere is to establish order and, and law and to protect its citizens. That's, that's, that's God's design. That's, that's God's desire uh, from the very beginning. And, and, and we need to obey the laws, even the ones that we don't like. I don't like going 70 on the interstate. I want to go 80 or 90. Or if I'm on my motorcycle, 100. <laughs> and some people do go faster than they're supposed to, and they do get tickets. Just saying. Look, laws are there to protect us. That, that's what the, that's what the, the purpose of, of laws are. That's why God designed it to, to restrain uh, evil things. And then he goes on in verse 4 and he said that the government will funny, uh, punish evil behavior. Okay? The, the description of the government here in verse 4 is a little bit interesting to me because I've never thought about it like this. It calls government a minister of God. I'm, honestly, I've never considered that. I, I've never really thought about it. The government is a servant of God for our ultimate good. And God's desire is that there be uh, order, that there be peace, that there be obedience to a moral code. And he set the government uh, in a position of authority uh, to, to help regulate that. It serves God's purpose. Look, not in a perfect way. I understand that. Not in a perfect way. Because we're not perfect people. We're not governed by, by perfect people. So what does the Bible say? It says, submit to the government because the government is God's servant. It was God's design. It was His desire from the, from the very beginning. And so then, what is the Bible saying to me? Let's, let's take that another step and, and see what, what the Bible is saying to me. He's saying in verse 5 to, to you and me that submission is morally right. It's the right thing. Now, now there are three words that we have trouble with. All of us. And that is authority, submission, and obedience. We don't like any of those three. 
much less when you combine all three of them. So, so what the Bible is saying to you and me is we don't just obey because we have to and, uh, uh, in order to keep from going to jail. We obey because it's the right thing to do. Be- because, listen, when we obey, it honors God. That's, that's, that's what he's saying to us here. And then he goes on. And I wish this part wasn't in there. Taxes support God's servants. Now, this is coming from the guy. Now, I got confession, good for the soul, bad for the reputation. This is coming from the guy who filed 2015 taxes last week. And the only reason I filed them last week is because the accountant said, you've got to. I don't like paying taxes any more than anybody else. And this is an area that really hits home. But according to the Bible, taxes are important. Why? Because they support God's servants. And even though it seems like the government is greedy and corrupt and wasteful, and that does not give you and me an excuse or the right to stop paying our taxes. Because, because they are. The United States government is a serving God. Never thought about it like that, folks. I'm just being gut-level honest with you this morning. And all these messages that we've been going through these past several weeks, they've been hard messages. This one is hard. (laughs) We don't like it. I don't like it. I know it's radical. But we've got to be honest about what God is saying, what God is saying to you and me. And, he's, and he also goes on, and in, in verse 7 says that we are called to show respect and, and peace to the government. We're to give what is due. If taxes are due, pay them. If custom or due, uh, tolls are due, boy, that just irked me. You go up through Oklahoma, you're going to stop about every 30 miles and pay a toll. But that's a good road. <laughs> you can go fast. <laughs> But pay what is due. That, that's what he's saying here. Pay, pay what is due. Uh, have respect for those in positions of leadership. Even if you disagree. You know what? This sounds an awful lot like where Pastor Brad brought us a couple of weeks ago. You remember uh, in Matthew 22, uh, a, a group of religious leaders came to Jesus. They were trying to, trying to trap him and, 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 and trying to get him to say, it's okay not to pay taxes. I kind of wish Jesus would have said, you don't have to pay taxes. You don't agree. But he didn't. He said, no, bring me a coin. And so they brought him a coin, and, and, he, and he asked the question, said, whose picture, whose uh, imprint is on this coin? And they said, it's Caesar's. And he said, then you give Caesar what belongs to him, and you give God what belongs to God. Whew. Boy, I tell you, so what's the Bible saying to me? Well, a piece of metal with the image chosen to represent the government impressed on it belongs to the government. But listen to me. You remember taking the selfie a few weeks ago? We, uh... <laughs> well, some of them did. Some of y'all did. <laughs> I saw you. But you know what? That's the image of God. It's, it's like... It's like this little five-year-old was was in the living room floor drawing one night, and her her mom said, "Uh, sweetie, what are you drawing? She said, I'm drawing a picture of God. And and the mom said, well, baby, 
nobody knows what God looks like. And, 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 and the little girl said, they will when I get through. Do you realize we were created in the image of God? And, and so, yeah, we look at, at, at what, what represents that belongs to the government, but then we look in the mirror and we say, look, you have the image of God. You belong to God. You give the government what belongs to the government, but you give to God what belongs uh, to Him. And before we bemoan everything that the government requires of us, we ought to be also looking in the mirror and making sure that we're giving God everything that belongs to God. What belongs to Him. What is God saying to me? Give the government what belongs to the government, but give God what belongs to God. And that is your time, your treasure, your talent, whatever it is that He blesses you with. So the question now becomes, what does God want me to do about this? I know, it's like a group of Disciples came to Jesus one day and said, Master, this is a hard saying. Yeah, I understand. This is a hard saying. The command says nothing about the, the kind of government that, that we are supposed to, to, to obey or, or, or that we are to be in, in total submission uh, regardless of, of, of what the government is. And, and, and remember, the context of this passage that we're looking at this morning was, was that, that Nero was in charge. One of the most anti-Christian world leaders that, that has ever walked the face of this earth. And yet, Paul's instruction through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit was to submit. Now, now this is not talking about unquestioned obedience to a government. Now, don't get me wrong. There are clearly some situations where a Christian would not be able to submit to governing authorities. Now, let's understand that. If the government's trying to force you to violate God's command, we can't submit to that. Can't submit to that. We, listen, hear what I'm telling you. We have to submit to God's authority first and foremost. We have to submit to God's authority first and, and foremost. So how do we do that? Well, we, 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 do, we submit with conviction. See, and, and we won't take the time to go there, but in, but in Daniel chapter 3, a, a guy by the name of Nebuchadnezzar was heading up the government, and he made a, he made a golden statue, and he placed it there. And, and, and there were three, uh, four Hebrew uh, children there that, that, that served the, the, the one true God. And, and Nebuchadnezzar made that statue, and he said, look, anybody that doesn't bow down and worship this statue is going into the fiery furnace. And Daniel said, I can't do that. I can't do that. I, I, I've got to, I've got to, I, listen, I can't violate God's law in order to keep man's law. That's what Daniel was saying. And he said, I believe, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to submit as far as I can uh, to the government, but, but, but I've got to submit to God first and foremost. And, and I believe that, that God, even though you can take me and you can throw me into that fiery furnace, I believe I'm going to walk out the other side and not even smell like smoke. But if not, okay, but if not, I'm still going to honor my God. And I'm still going to put Him first. And I'm still going to obey His law before I obey man's law. And you know the story, how they threw Him in, and even the people that went up there to, to throw Him in. 
got consumed by the fire and Daniel and his buddies walked out the other side. You see, Daniel and his companions were unable to submit to the ruling authorities because they could never violate God's law by practicing, practicing idolatry. And so submitting does not equal bowing to man, but bowing to God. Man, I would encourage you to go read through the book of Daniel because when you get over into to Daniel chapter 6, there, were, there was another king by that time, the third one, by the name of Darius. And, 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 and some people around Darius got him, uh, tricked him into writing a decree that said anybody that prays to anybody other than you is going to be thrown into the lion's den. So what does Daniel do? Daniel did what he did every day before. That law was written. He went and opened up his curtains and he knelt down and he prayed to the one true God. And Daniel said, I, I've, I've got to stay true to God before I stay true to man. You see, here's the deal. God's law always supersedes man's law. God's law always supersedes man's law. And so what God is saying to me is submit with conviction, but not to the point of violating God's law. And then we're to submit in peace, knowing that we're obeying God. Daniel, you know, didn't make a big fuss about it. He just, he just stood by his convictions, submitted in peace, knowing that you were pleasing the Prince of Peace. And then submit for victory. Da now listen, Daniel got the victory by obeying God. That's where the victory comes in our life, is by obeying God. And then we stand on God's authority. Listen, people respected Daniel's God because they respected Daniel. They got to the point where, listen, Daniel didn't have to beat him over the head with a scroll trying to, uh, you know, whip him into shape for God. He didn't, he didn't have to do that. He didn't have to march in the street. He simply lived out God's conviction in his life. Daniel outlived three kings. Three wicked kings. Three kings that tried to get him to go against God's law every way that they could. But he submitted with peace and won the victory. But he never bowed to an earthly king before bowing to the king of kings. And the Lord of lords. Listen. Kingdoms will rise and kingdoms will fall. But God will stand forever. His law will stand forever. Forever His word is settled in heaven. And so then we stand on the principles of God's word. And, and the New Testament, you can uh, go there, Acts chapter 5, you can find that, that Peter and the other apostles were, uh, they, they were preaching in the name of Jesus. And, 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 the, and the government authorities came and, and, and said, you can't do that anymore. And so they beat them up and they threw them into jail and, and, and said, you can't, you can't preach in the name of Jesus anymore. And so what did they do? They preached in the name of Jesus. And in Acts uh, chapter 5, verse 29, they, they said this, we must obey God rather than man. We must obey God rather than man. And listen, when it comes down to a choice between obeying God or man, it's really no choice. We, we, we must obey God rather than man. And that's, listen, that's why it's so important that we know what the Bible says 
We know what God's word says, what his command is, and not just what he's saying, what he's saying to us, and then what he wants us to do about it. That's why it is so important for us to know that. And then we stand in God's presence.